Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast. My name is Mung. And my name is Lokes, and I am on a roll, just crushing people left and right. Things couldn't be better in my fantasy world, Mung. Well, that's good. I'm uh, I'm, I'm kind of on edge here because all I need to win in one league, uh, our league actually, uh, against one of our friends is for James Connor to not fumble tonight. But I, I feel like that's just one of those crazy things that could always happen. Can't you just bench him? I could, but, uh, you know, that's, that's not how I play, uh, you know, and I feel like every point matters, especially when you're playing a, uh, a team managed by Los who scored 190 points this week. Boom. Yeah, so uh, you're you're threatening in our league, and uh, I'm not too happy about it. But um, you know, I, I just I don't know why I keep remembering there was like a game from like two or three years ago. I don't know if you recall, and I I want to say it was AJ Green who fumbled and like broke his leg on the fumble, so he ended with like negative two points. Um, yeah, and, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, and I know I lost one league because of that, which is why I'm so nervous about James Conner, even though the odds are knock on wood low that that will happen. No, and you won't have to knock on wood. You'll just have to knock on Conner's legs and make sure they're not made of dry wood. Yeah, knock on wood if you're with Conner. There we go. But uh, I am glad to hear that your teams are doing well. Um, mine are still kind of hit or miss. Uh, of course, I benched Chris Godman one, which I'm sure quite a few people did with the you know questionable tag going into a tough matchup. It it made sense, right? You can't spell win without God. It's just, it's <laughs> just that's the Lord's truth, Monk. That's a that's a pretty good one. But uh, you know, I, I I will keep my faith uh, in a different form of higher power. The the second coming of Minshew. oh my god <laughs> uh that and that will lead us into our gillette close shave of the week and there were a lot of close games and great performances this week a lot of road upsets but it's got to go to the mustache of mustaches the beowulf to flacco's grendel gardner Minshew the second um of course leonard fournette played a huge role as well in the Jaguars' upset over the Broncos, 29 carries for a massive 225 yards. But when the game was in jeopardy, Minshew stepped up and played like a seasoned vet. After Denver scored a touchdown to go up 24-23 with 1 minute and 32 seconds left in the game, Minshew rallied the offense. Despite almost losing a fumble, he hit D.D. Westbrook down the sideline for a 32-yard gain and followed that with another strike to Chris Conley for 17 yards down to the Denver 10-yard line, which set up Josh Lambeau for the eventual game-winning field goal and stunning the mile-high crowd. Get your close shave like Beowulf Minshew with Gillette. There's a best for every man. Get $3 off your first order when you create an account using the code WELCOME3. And try Gillette's new heated razor, providing comfort with every stroke. Yeah, I don't know if Gardner uses the Gillette uh, Gillette Comfort Razor on that mustache of his, but but you know it, it's it's working for him so far. He must, and uh, you know uh, there was a video of Peyton Manning shaking hands with Gardner Minshew after the game. So. Oh my gosh! Well, that that there it is, folks. This guy is the next is the next big thing. I saw I saw a great tweet. Uh, I can't remember who it was now, but uh, credit them if I could. But it said uh, it's great when you get to meet your heroes, and Peyton Manning just got to do that. <laughs> <laughs> that that's actually pretty good. Uh, that's called um, 
what do uh, what did the uh, writers of Game of Thrones call that? Um, averting expectations or something? Oh, subverting expectations. Subverting expectations. Yes, there you go. All Indeed. right. Well, on Thursday, I don't know if our expectations are going to be subverted as the LA Rams take on the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, the Rams had a big letdown at home. Their expectations were subverted, losing <laughs> to Jameis Winston and the Buccaneers behind a three-interception day. That was salvaged for your fantasy teams for Goff behind 500-plus yards and two touchdowns. <clears throat> he should be a back-end quarterback one at Seattle. With that line, obviously the wide receivers were great. Woods leading with 13 catches, 15 targets, 164 yards. And Cup not far behind, nine catches on 15 targets, 121 yards, and the touchdown. Brandon Cooks added six of nine for 71 of his own. Again, all our great wide receiver twos with wide receiver one upside. Maybe with the consistency here, it's time to start calling Woods and Cup ones on their own. Regardless, start them and you will be pleased. Uh, the running game was a problem with Todd Gurley saving a five carry for 16-yard day with two touchdowns and seven catches, 11, uh, 11 targets. 54 yards through the air. Hard to say what uh, what will last with Goff not likely topping 65 pass attempts. He actually had 68 pass attempts. So that's not going to happen many more times this year. Um, Todd Gurley's a fine running back, too, with upside, though, uh, as, as my guess here is that he gets a bit more passing work going on. Not sure why he wasn't getting much at all at the start of the season. Right. It's concerning because he's not going to get two touchdowns again on, on such right. few carries. But uh, like you said, uh, in PPR especially, his floor is uh, much safer if he continues to be this involved in the passing game. And actually, Tampa Bay's been very, very good stopping the run. They limited Christian McCaffrey to 37 rushing yards. They, I mean, they limited Saquon Barkley to 10, but he left that game early. But even so, you know, limiting him to 10 in the first half, is that's pretty good. Um, the, I still don't know what to make of this loss for the Rams. It's really nothing. I don't think anybody expected it. Uh, Jared Goff looks passable in, in some aspects, but then just terrible. He missed a wide open Brandon Cooks for a touchdown. Uh, he could have had a bigger day. And now, you know, the good thing is Goff gets to face a Seahawks defense that's really struggled so far. Uh, despite the, you know, the poor real life day for the Rams, he, as you said, he was still good in fantasy. So continue starting him as a low end QB one here. Um, I, I think I'm with you that cup is a low end wide receiver one with upside in this one. I still have woods and cooks as boomer bust wide receiver twos, but certainly high upside for all three of them in this matchup. And then Gerald Everett got the touchdown against the Rams, but that, that's in a game where 95 mm. points were scored. Uh, you know, I, I, neither of the tight ends are that involved considering the score in that one, so continue ignoring them in most formats. Um, and then even though the Rams' defense got torched by Jameis Winston, uh, they're still an okay start in fantasy. They've had an interception every game so far this year, and you know, in real life they're looking very mortal, but uh, they're still a decent fantasy start. Seattle moved through the Cardinals without much difficulty, but they could hit some uh, home roadblocks versus the Rams. The Rams defense is better than they've been playing and always play the Seahawks a bit tighter within the divisional games. All that said, uh, Russell Wilson is a great quarterback, one who finds a way from week to week. Chris Carson put up 22 carries, 104 yards. 
DK Metcalf, uh, Metcalf saw a down day with Jaron Brown and David Moore on the field for more snaps here, and he has dipped out of startable contention for me. Um, Tyler Lockett is a mid-range wide receiver two or high-end three, with uh, Rashad Penny likely back this week. He may take 10-plus touches alone uh, out of the passing game and a little bit of value from Chris Carson. Will Disley is a back-end tight end one for now, but don't get too excited about the big day against the worst tight end defenders in football in the Cardinals. And it actually could have been a much bigger day for Wilson, Lockett, yep. and Disley. There just wasn't enough passing volume against Arizona in a game where they led pretty comfortably from start to finish. Uh, I would expect a little bit more here against the Rams in which they'll be scoring their points. Uh, I like Wilson as a mid-range QB1 here. Lockett uh, still as a mid-range wide receiver too with upside based on matchup. I'm not with you on Metcalf. I think he's still going to see more action when they actually do need to throw more. Um, but certainly he's a boomer bust wide receiver three uh, with a very low floor here. And I still do like Disley, even though the Rams are better guarding the tight ends uh, than the Cardinals are. He's a high end tight end two for upside with me this week. Um, Rashad Penny, uh, it sounded like he was close to ready against the Cardinals, but they didn't really need him. So he should be back for this one on Thursday night. Uh, Carson's still the lead back, but I wouldn't expect a 60-40, 70-30 kind of split if Penny is healthy. So that certainly limits Carson's upside. I have him as a low-end running back two, and then Penny just a risky flex in this hook. I could see this one going either way, but uh, I have a little bit more faith in the Rams' defense than the Seahawks, even on the road. Uh, it's a close call, but uh, I think I'm going to take the Rams here. Yeah, I think the Rams are going to take the one short, on the short week here. Um, Sunday noon games kicking off with Arizona at Cincinnati. Kyler Murray keeps cobbling together solid enough quarterback lines, dipping his toe in the quarterback one ranks, but not just yet. Uh, he should be a good enough option here in a pinch. Uh, David Johnson had a had 99 yard receiving day. Will stay a running back one in Cincinnati. Larry Fitzgerald didn't exactly have a wide receiver one day versus Seattle, but he's a very solid wide receiver, too. And Christian Kirk will probably miss this week here with injury, uh, increasing Larry's uh, uh, value. I would not be comfortable with any of the other pass catchers just yet, though I do expect an uptick in yardage from Keyshawn Johnson this week. Call it just a gut feeling. Take that to mean what it does for you. Right. His snaps and routes run have gone up. Um Christian Kirk, it, the video looked bad, but I guess it's just a high ankle sprain, which is good news. But uh, he's still probably going to miss it, as you said, this week at the very least, maybe more. Um, the, the good news is uh, I like Kyler Murray a lot, again, as a high-end QB, too. Uh, he struggled against Seattle, but in fantasy, he was just fine, especially now that he's started running a little bit more in the last couple weeks. Uh, four rushes for 27 yards and a rushing touchdown against Seattle, so... Uh, there's some upside here. Uh, neither of these defenses have been that great this season. And then on the flip side, David Johnson, he hasn't gotten a ton of carries, but uh, with the game script favoring the pass, he's still been very involved as a receiver uh, because of that. And PPR, he remains a mid-range running back one. And then Larry Fitzgerald, uh, I think he just broke the record for second all-time receptions, right? Mm -hmm. Behind yep. uh, only Jerry Rice now. Uh, the man is, he's an Iron Man. So he should dominate the target share with Kirk out. Uh, I have him as a mid-range wide receiver too. A lot of upside in this matchup. As you said, uh, I do like Keyshawn Johnson, uh, but Trent Sher Sherfield split targets. Uh, they each had three, and neither is more than just a low-end flex play right now. Uh, I'm kind of curious why we haven't seen more of Andy Isabella. 
Um, he's only gotten a few touches here in this game, and while he's got that speed, uh, I just I don't know that he needs to be owned in redraft until the Cardinals feel more comfortable actually playing him. No, no way. I mean, he he's a slot-style receiver, so until Larry moves on or Christian's injured, you'll see more of him this week, that's for sure. Um, but uh, that that's really the main reasoning there. He just fits worse on the outside than Keyshawn and uh, and um, Sherfield. Right. As but, for Sin- I mean, as you're, for you're Sin- not starting him in redraft this week, right? No, no. Heck no, yeah. heck no. Um, as for Cincinnati, good matchup for the Bengals here. No Patrick Peterson to worry about and plenty of offensive upside. Andy Dalton should be a fine stream. Mix in a running back one and Ross and Boyd, both middling wide receiver threes with upside. Let's see tonight if Eifert A, stays healthy, and B, gets a healthy share of the tight end work. If so, he's definitely worth the stream versus what looks like the worst defense against tight ends here in Arizona. Yeah, six touchdowns to tight ends in their first four games. Uh, I have Eifert as a low-end tight end one with upside this week, so we'll definitely talk about him on the waiver wire section. We'll see how this game shakes out. Uh, I, I still like Tyler Boyd a lot against Arizona, wide receiver three with upside. And then John Russ is a little boomer bust, but uh, he's still a high upside flex play just with not much of a floor. So Dalton, we'll talk about too as a streamer. Uh, these are all viable guys. I, I think this is going to be another high scoring game. Uh, we saw that the Seahawks rolled the Cardinals and I think the Bengals, even though they've had their share of struggles as well, um, I, I'll take the Bengals at home. Yeah, I think the Bengals will be okay here. They should win by at least four points. Um, Mixon and Ross are going to just outclass the Arizona defense. Yeah, Buffalo. Uh, just Sorry, sorry real quick. Um, we'll talk about it, him and the injury update, but it sounds like A.J. Green's still a few weeks away as well. Did James Conner just fumble? Oh, no. Oh, my yeah, gosh. Deontay Johnson. Oh, <laughs> you, you almost give me a heart attack. My oh gosh. man! I, I look and I see I see yellow and black on the ground and the ball in the defense's hands. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I, if I owned like a an iWatch, an Apple Watch right now, my heart rate would have just spiked. <laughs> wow! Did you see that shot, or did or was it just for yeah? What I yeah, said? I saw the replay once you said it, and I looked up. Um, oh uh, my gosh! Oh, sorry. Right. Okay. Buffalo at Tennessee. Buffalo gave the Patriots a rough time, holding them to 16 points uh, despite the loss to the Patriots. And that was with a uh, defensive t- or special teams touchdown. This should be another low scoring affair here. Josh Allen left with a concussion after a big helmet to helmet hit, and the offense went into the hands of Matt Barkley. That uh, that combined for four interceptions and zero touchdowns. Devin Singletary may be ready for this game, but if he is, I would avoid both running backs, him and Gore. Gore is an option if Singletary doesn't play, just not a great option, a low-level flex, uh, despite somehow amassing 109 yards and 17 carries versus the Patriots. I would also avoid the wide receivers again this week, now facing a tough Tennessee defense at home who held Julio Jones to 50 yards and Kelvin Ridley to 40 this past week. Right. Uh, this is going to be a fairly low-scoring game here. Both of these defenses are playing well. If Josh Allen is indeed out with that concussion, that would downgrade the entire Bills offense as well in fantasy. Uh, as I mentioned last week, nothing's really changed with the Titans uh, You know, on the running, on the running defense. Um, they've yet to allow a 100-yard rusher. Uh, they've given up just one rushing touchdown, so I don't like Gore. Uh, assuming Singletary plays, it sounds like he was close this past week. I would actually prefer him in PPR. Uh, he's more involved in the passing game. They are allowing passes to running backs, just not much on the ground. So 
I would still take uh, Singletary over Gore this week. Um, John Brown, just to, as you said, uh, Julio and Ridley both struggled. So just a low-end wide receiver three. Still should get some catches in PPR, but wouldn't expect a ton of upside. And then Dawson Knox, too, a uh, desperation tight end here. He's playing well, but not getting consistent enough targets yet to be reliable in fantasy. As for the Titans, very weird game versus Atlanta with Marcus Marietta thrown for touchdowns, 94 yards and two touchdowns for A.J. Brown, and 91 yards and a touchdown to Corey Davis. Uh, let someone else waste all their fab on these guys, especially this week against Buffalo. Tennessee led the whole game, leading to Derrick Henry seeing 27 carries on 100 yards to Deion Lewis with just four for 16. Delaney Walker had a rare stinker, just one catch, four yards, Four yards. He should return to tight end one uh, status from here, but ex- uh, but don't expect much touchdown opportunity this week versus Buffalo. Right. Um, fun fact here: Marcus Mariota is the only quarterback this year to have started all four games so far and not turned the ball over. Oh my um, gosh! Oh my gosh! <laughs> uh, yeah, this league. Um, but of course, that doesn't mean you want to start him in fantasy. The Bills' defense has given up three passing touchdowns all year uh, compared to five interceptions. Don't chase the big points after a nice game against the Falcons. And then the Bills have been tough to run on, but Derrick Henry's getting a big enough workload to remain in that low-end RB2 range. And as you said, Los, I wouldn't rush to add either of these wide receivers. Uh, their usage is not consistent. Um, they look great, especially A.J. Brown, but neither is more than a wide receiver four in a tough matchup here. I do and Delaney Walker is still in that low-end tight end one range. Uh, he's still Mariota's most trusted target, so certainly wouldn't be too worried about him. If Josh Allen plays, uh, if he clears concussion protocol, then I might change this pick. But for now, I think I want the Titans uh, at home versus Matt Barkley. But of course, that means they're going to just choke and collapse. Yeah, no, I, I fully expect Barkley to start here, and I fully expect the Titans to beat up Barkley. Um but I again, I, if if Allen does play, I reserve the right to switch my pick here. Chicago at Oakland. They are playing in London, but unlike those typical London games where you have to wake up at three in the morning to try and catch your your favorite football teams, this is actually six o'clock p.m. London time, which is noon Central time or one o'clock Eastern. So normal football start time for us folks in America. Mitchell Trubisky is down, dislocating his shoulder and win against the Vikings. The team scored all of 16 points, and Eddie Pinheiro is starting to look pretty consistent. Call me crazy in what should be another ridiculous game in London? I'd start him. Uh, Chase Daniel will be filling in for Mitchell, and he doesn't put much more confidence in my heart for the other players. Other than Allen Robbins, 7 for 77. The yardage was split amongst the guys that you would never look to start. Javon Weems was second on the team in targets and yards. Four of five for 56 yards. Not good for Miller and Cohen hopefuls. David Montgomery got the majority of the work rushing 21 times for 53 yards with five targets out of the backfield to five uh, rushes for 11 yards and five targets for Cohen. And Mike Davis was left out of the box score. Better days are ahead for David Montgomery, and the time to buy low is now. Yeah, just say a, a quick game update here. James Conner just had a carry for like two yards and no fumble. Knock on wood. Nice. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, we're, we're probably going to see Chase Daniel uh, for at least a week or two uh, with that injury to Trubisky. 
He played pretty well. Uh, I actually don't mind him as a streaming option in a pretty good matchup against Oakland, but of course the London games can get pretty wacky, so definitely a risk-reward play here. Um, quick note on David Montgomery. He continues to dominate the carries. He's, uh, you know, I think ideally uh, he starts to get more and more of the work, uh, but he is still uh, splitting the passing game usage with Tariq Cohen, so that caps his upside a little bit. Uh, but in a game where I expect the Chicago defense to stifle Carr in that offense, uh, I would, I'd like Montgomery as a high-end running back three, maybe even a low-end running back two if they're just pounding the rock and running clock for a lot of the second half here. Um, Cohen, a desperation running back four. As I said, he is still involved in the passing game, but uh, it really depends if he can find the end zone again. And then Allen Robinson was pretty good. Even with Daniel, I expect him to continue dominating that target share, a nice high and wide receiver three with upside. And you mentioned Javon Wims. Uh, in deeper leagues, uh, you know, Chase Daniel is the second-team quarterback, and Wims was part of the second-team offense with Taylor Gabriel out. So if Gabriel is out again, then maybe that chemistry is there. Some Kind of like Minshew and DJ Shark, how they played together in the preseason. Uh, just something to keep an eye on for deeper leagues or maybe in DFS, but... If Gabriel's back, then uh, he's probably the boomer bust wide receiver four that you want instead. Oakland will try to follow up nicely, uh, follow up a nicely called game versus Indianapolis. As they say, though, defense travels and the Bears defense is darn good. Avoid Derek Carr and Tyrell Williams here. Jacobs could be a back-end running back, too, as he's starting to see a bit more work in the passing game. We always like to see that. His arrow is pointing up, and after what I expect to be a tough game versus uh, Chicago, I would try to buy him if uh, if you're able to. Darren Waller's a weekly tight end one this week, seven for 53. Right, and I, I don't hate Tyrell Williams as much as you, but certainly just a low-end flex this week in a very tough matchup. Um, I do think he's still startable, though, given that uh, Derek Carr always looks for him, especially in the red zone. But uh, really not, uh, not a whole lot to add here. Um, hopefully uh, the, London, the London thing won't screw up too much uh, crazy things happen in these UK games, but I will take the Bears. Yeah, I'm going to take the Bears. Uh, not just because I love Chicago, but um, getting to London, Oakland's already three hours behind Chicago, and it's uh, three hours is big when you're when you're going to London, jet lag stuff like that. I think it's going to hurt them. Um, I will say though, I, I was reading earlier today that they are flying to London right from Indy, so I don't know if that will be as big of a factor. Oh, so they're there? Right. Oh. Is Chicago there? They, they should get their butts over there. Um, well, I don't know if they flew there already, but I'm saying they're flying straight from Indy, so they're not. there's not going to be that extra time distance. Well, they time. have to be gone. Nobody, I mean, the game was on Sunday. Nobody would still be in Indianapolis. Come on. <laughs> right. I'm assuming I just don't have the exact details, but. Even Peyton Manning tried his best to get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> Tampa Bay at New Orleans. The Bucks exploded in uh, L.A. 55 points versus the Rams for the win behind Jameis Winston's 385 yards, four touchdowns, and one interception. The offense uh, has burned us before many, many times. Chris Godwin was the main factor, uh, main benefactor with a fantastic day. 12 catches, 14 targets, 172 yards, and two touchdowns. Mike Evans was great as well with four of seven for 89 yards and a touchdown. Uh, some room for bigger upside, but can't be upset with that. Evans will probably see a hefty dose of Marshawn Lattimore here, so I expect another really big day from Godwin, and both are high-end wide receiver twos. 
regardless of J- Jameis's t- turnover margin, he should be able to find them early and often. In redraft, uh, O.J. Howard is looking pretty droppable right now. He was unable to join in on the touchdown feast, managed just 33 yards in that game, and the schedule is not favorable in the next few weeks for his fantasy prospects. As for the running game, Ronald Jones led with 19 carries, 70 yards, and a touchdown and one catch to Peyton Barber's 9 for 19 and a touchdown. It's still a split. A workhorse has not been established, and Jones does not get enough pass game work to creep into running back two status for me. Start him as a running back three in deeper legs or if desperate. Right, and uh, we, we talked a little bit about O.J. Howard last week, and as I said, uh, facing those tougher defenses with the defensive line, uh, a concern. Um, Howard is being used more to block because he has developed into a very good blocker. Um, that's one of the big issues concerning his usage and why his fantasy stats are not very high. Um, I don't. I, I have no problem dropping him. I think it depends on the league and how many tight ends are owned. Uh, but uh, I will say that this is also one of the concerns with George Kittle because he's actually a very good run blocker and one of the reasons that the Niners' run game is doing so well, but it has hurt him a little bit in fantasy because he's using the, uh, used as a blocker more and more than just as receiving tight end. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to make of it. 55 points against the Rams on the road. This is what um, those who owned Winston and these uh, Buccaneers players wanted when they hired Bruce Arians. Uh, this is the kind of offense he wants to run, the high-flying, high-scoring offense. Uh, but I don't know if anyone saw 55 points against the Rams, uh, you know, in their crystal ball. And then the Saints defense has played well, but they're better at stopping the run than the pass. I think Winston is a decent start, has a mid-range QB2 with upside. Of course, uh, he's risky because Winston's the kind of quarterback who will get you those four touchdown games, but he could also have a four-interception game. So it really just kind of depends. Um, I know, Los, uh, congrats. You've been on the Ronald Jones wagon all season. And uh, it looks like you're uh, you're onto something here. I agree that he seems to be taking over that backfield. Um, I, I like him, as you do, as a running back three or flex here if he gets a touchdown. But as I said, the Saints are better against stopping the run than the pass. Um, in fact, uh, per Scott Barrett at PFF uh, for your uh, little victory lap, Los, Ronald Jones is the highest graded running back through four weeks. What do you think about that? Highest graded of Tampa Bay or of, of what? No, uh, across the league, apparently. In what are the grades? I don't know. I just saw the tweet from Scott today. Um, I believe Eckler is number three and Dalvin Cook is number two. So uh, however they, I, their grading system works, but regardless, Ronald Jones has certainly looked pretty good. I mean, I'll take the win, but I think Scott Barrett needs to lead the league in, in getting his head checked. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Ronald Jones did, just worth mentioning, he did have a couple of long runs called back uh, due to penalty too against the Rams. So he could have had an even bigger day there. Um, as I said in the intro, I benched Godwin no league. Uh, clearly that, that didn't work for me. Uh, a lot of people did something similar, I would say, but both he and Evans are mid range wide receiver twos here. Uh, I might prefer Godwin a little bit more at this point with just a little bit more consistency of a PPR floor, but certainly not worried about Evans. Um, and it, as sad as it is, I, I was thinking, if you had to bet, I think I would take more fantasy points for Cameron Brait than O.J. Howard. He seems to be the receiving tight end, especially in the red zone, right? For this week or for the season? Maybe both. 
I would I would I would disagree with that. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll see, but I think especially for this week, like I said with uh the Saints defensive line and issue, I think Howard's going to be needed again to block a little bit more. Yeah, like I said, he he has no room on my roster anymore. <laughs> Hopefully you sold high uh, after a couple down weeks or something, right? I tried. Did not work. How oh, well. As for the uh, New Orleans Saints, the Bucks uh, defense really got after Jared Goff. Bridgewater is probably going to have a similar day to his day in Dallas here. Uh, there are really just two options here to talk about, Elvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. Cook has been awful to this point this year, and I would not start him. Um, he's borderline droppable to me, too. Mm, yeah, I've I've got very little faith in Teddy Bridgewater. I, I like him as a person uh, he, from everything that I've seen, but uh, on the field, Bridgewater has looked shaky. Uh, I would I would call it uh, he's doing more to not lose games than to win them. Um, certainly, I, I don't want to start him in fantasy as more than just a back end QB two, but he definitely has some upside if this game turns into a shootout like the Rams game did. Uh, Kamara's doing well enough, uh, as is Thomas, uh, to stay, uh, you know, back end running back one and wide receiver one respectively. But as you said, outside of that, I'd probably avoid the rest. Jared cook is an okay mid range tight end two play. If you think he gets a few extra receptions here, but, uh, just Bridgewater hasn't looked that great. So call me crazy, but I don't know if this Buccaneers offense is playing really well. The defense is very underrated. Uh, that's one reason I'm, I'm more worried about Kamara, even though he, his passing game usage keeps him, you know, with a fairly high floor in PPR. But just, is it crazy that I I think they steal one in the Superdome? I I think the Bucks might uh, I might take this one. It is it is crazy. Jameis comes back to earth here, throws two pick sixes, if not more. Peyton does more than enough to win at home. Okay, well, we'll see. I mean, I could very well be wrong, but I'm, uh, as as many coaches seem to do in the NFL, I'm going to go with the hot hand with Jameis Winston. <laughs> Minnesota at the New York Giants. The Minnesota game plan does not seem to be getting it done, although I don't expect much to change here. There will be, uh, there will be another 180 yards to rush for versus the Giants, so Cook is definitely a running back one. And I... Guess I haven't really been bringing up Alexander Madison, but I look at him as a high-level handcuff as well. Um, they will plug him in. They've done it earlier in the season, and he's looked pretty good. Um, I don't really think Adam Thielen's criticism here is accurate of his own team. It comes off a of tad whiny. The Vikings could not sustain anything offensively against the Great Bears defense. And if Thielen were a little more talented of, of a wide receiver to get himself open, he would have had more than six yards on the day. He's still a wide receiver, too, here. And Diggs is a wide receiver three who has that game-breaking upside that he showed with that seven for seven and 108 yards this week. Wow, throwing throwing down with Adam Thielen, them's fighting words, huh? Boom! Just, what a oh, I'll, all right. I'll take I'll take him. <laughs> Bring yeah. it. All right, okay. Um, yeah, Adam Thielen uh, definitely wasn't happy yelling at Cousins on the sidelines, but as you said, uh, this Giants uh, defense isn't nearly going to be as tough as the Bears were. Uh, again, passing volume is a concern, but the matchup should be a good one for Cousins. Uh, he has some upside, just a low on QB2 until we actually see some life from this passing game, but uh, the upside is there against the Giants. Uh, Cook, of course, you're starting as a mid-range running back one with what should be a ga- uh, great game script. Um, I-, I like Madison, too, uh, as well as a, he's a high... Uh, 
uh, excuse me, a high priority handcuff. Um, and then he might even get some work, uh, kind of like we expected Justin Jackson to, uh, had he been healthy against Miami, if they, uh, you know, if they control this game with a lead, um, I agree with Thielen as a low end wide receiver two and Diggs as a boomer bust wide receiver three. We'll see if they, uh, if they actually get more targets in this one. Daniel Jones logged another win, but will face a real test versus the Vikings here. I would not consider him at all as a streamer here after two interceptions versus Washington. Wayne Gallman filled in better than expected, actually, in my opinion. 18 carries, 63 yards and a touchdown, and 6 of 7 receiving 55 yards and a receiving touchdown. He split touches about 70-30 with Jonathan Hillman, who was just dreadful with the ball. I expect Gallman actually get a few more touches this week. Ingram and Shepard had fine days here, but I would lower expectations versus the Minnesota defense. All right. Gallman might get more touches, but uh, lowering expectations is right here. Um, oh, yeah. Just the low-end flex. Uh, I wouldn't expect two touchdowns for sure. Um, Ingram, I've got him as a low-end tight end one with this tough matchup. Uh, Harrison, Harrison Smith will likely be all over him. And then Shepard, just a low-end wide receiver three, though he is leading the Giants in targets and air yards since Jones has taken over. So he's got a decent floor and PPR. And then one other thing, don't forget that Golden Tate will be back this week. Um, I don't know that I'd toss him in your lineup right away. You'd be have to kind of de- be desperate in a deeper league for that. But, uh, you know, he could uh, he could get some PPR usage here. I will take, uh, I think that Adam Thielen will be a little bit happier this week. Uh, I will take the Vikings on the road. I will take the Vikings on the road as as well. Nothing personal, Adam. We love you here at the Fantasy Football Addicts. New York Jets at Philadelphia. The Jets will have had two weeks to prepare for this game, and Philly's secondary is banged up. Uh, There is some opportunity here for Robbie Anderson, but I'm not putting him higher than a wide receiver three or uh, desperation flex until we see Sam Darnold out there healthy and making the connection. He's really got to battle off those blood cells to get here. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is a volume and reception base running back one, and that's about it. Consider adding Chris Herndon if you have room on your bench He had a a good connection with Darnold last year. He's not startable this week as his suspension is uh, yet to end, or it might be ending this week. I think this is the final week of it. Yeah, this is the last week because the bye doesn't count. That's what it was. Okay. But if you have the space, you can try and avoid burning any fab budget on him by adding him a week early. Yep. Um, Like you said, they're off a bye, but uh, the two weeks might not be enough to uh, fix that. Um, Darnold should be back though, uh, from his mono, uh, unless there's a relapse, uh, he should be a pretty good high end QB two to stream this week. Uh, I really oh, don't know. I don't know about that. I mean, look, he might get sacked like eight times and fumble twice and throw a pick, but he might also have four touchdowns. It just, it's one of those things where I, I like both him and the Eagles defense, if that makes sense. Um, but you know it's unlikely that he's going to throw for 400 yards like Aaron Rodgers did but not out of the question I guess that's what I'm trying to say um Le'Veon Bell I don't love him here but I I still have him as a back end running back one it's a tough matchup against this Philly defensive line that you can't really run on but he's a good enough receiver and you know used enough on passing downs to maintain that solid floor in PPR Robbie Anderson, as you said, he's been pretty quiet thus far on the season, but it is a good matchup for him, and he was limited with a calf injury up to this point, so hopefully with the bye week, he's rested up uh, close to 100% now. 
Um, I do have him as a wide receiver three to a little boomer bust, but, and then don't forget about Jamison Crowder uh, as a low end flex play in PPR as well. Um, he got, what was it 17 targets in week one when Darnold was there? So maybe his target share ticks up again now that Darnold is back. Uh, as for the Eagles, they knocked off the Packers on the road. And this team's getting a, this uh, team is getting a little healthier on offense. Carson Wentz is a quarterback one at home. If Deshaun Jackson's, if Deshaun Jackson is back, he's a great flex near every week. And Elshon should see higher end wide receiver three type of targets. Aguilar has shown why he's typically unowned in fantasy, dropping a nice salad goose egg on your roster this week. Zach Ertz had a fine week and Dallas Goddard snagged touchdown here. The Eagles ran all over the Packers, though, with Jordan Howard going 15 carries, 87 yards, and two touchdowns with a 20-yard receiving touchdown, while Miles Sanders tacked on 11 carries, 72 yards, looking very solid in his own right. Uh, Jordan Howard's an upside running back three that will probably have been his best game this year. Don't look for him to have three touchdowns or anything similarly looking like that again this year. And I wouldn't hang on to Miles Sanders if your if your team can take the bench hit, but do not start him just yet. Right. So we talked about Jordan Howard as an upside flex play last week, uh, but even in my wildest dreams, I did not expect three touchdowns. Um, I was saying he had a shot at a touchdown, which he did. Um, uh, but definitely wouldn't expect that again this week. Certainly don't uh, don't prioritize him as a waiver ad. He's still just a flex play. But this Jets run defense is vulnerable. Uh, even rested coming off the bye week, uh, both Sanders and Howards, uh, you know, start them up in the flex spot again if you need them to. And uh, as you said, the Jets have given up a lot of points through the air as well. Uh, assuming Deshaun Jackson plays, uh, I'll I'll have him even as high as a wide receiver too. Uh, he looked really good in the season opener when he was healthy. Um, and the rest, uh, I agree with what you said on Wentz and Ertz. Of course, you're starting all those guys. Um, I will take the Eagles team starting to get healthy on offense, uh, despite their liability of a secondary. Fly, Eagles, fly. Caw-caw. Baltimore at Pittsburgh. The Ravens lost at home versus a bounce-back Browns team. They get another AFC North match on the road in Pittsburgh. Lamar Jackson tossed 250 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, adding 66 yards rushing, and remains a weekly quarterback one. Mark Ingram should be a fine running back two versus a Pittsburgh team that lacks offensive playmakers right now. Marquise Brown connected for just 470, uh, 4-7 for 22 yards. Mark Andrews, Miles Boykin. And Willie Sneed scored touchdowns here. Mark Andrews remains the most reliable, scoring another touchdown despite remaining on the injury report for another week with his foot. Uh, Brown is the perfect flex, plenty of targets, big time downfield upside, but he's going to come up semi-short sometimes, just like he did this week. Right. Marquise Brown has really cooled off, uh, but he's still getting a lot of targets. Uh, Jackson just hasn't been able to connect with them. And as you said, Boykin and Sneed got the touchdowns, but... Brown would still be my preferred play out of those three wide receivers if you need a flex or wide receiver three. And as you said, you're starting Jackson every week. Uh, Ingram is a boomer bust running back two. And now that Andrews seems healthier with that foot issue, definitely uh, starting him as a decent mid to low end tight end one option. Tonight, we'll see if Pittsburgh can adjust their offense for Mason Rudolph. I'm not overly optimistic versus Baltimore and would stick with Juju and Connor only, especially with Vance McDonald injured. That is, of course, unless the rookie and sophomore wide receivers can take a step forward tonight. James Washington and Deontay Johnson were talented college players, and Pittsburgh has a history of developing receivers well. 
Uh, Moncrief is about done in Pittsburgh, and the receivers have not got off to a great start with Deontay Johnson with that fumble in the opening drive. Right. Um, but it does look like Mike Tomlin and the Steelers have adjusted the offense uh, to help Mason Rudolph out a little bit. They're doing kind of the sweeps with both running backs on the field. They're doing a little bit more trickery and misdirection. So definitely uh, that'll definitely help the offense in general. Um, I think they might have tried to put a little bit too much on his plate uh, against San Francisco and he just uh, kind of collapsed. Uh, but as you said, Baltimore's defense is a little bit better here. Uh, they've been hit or miss with some injured players in their secondary, but we'll see if they get them back. Um, Connor and Juju are really the only safe options. As you said, Deontay Johnson, uh, not James Connor, already fumbled tonight. Yep. Again, knock on wood. <laughs> uh, but he did have the second most targets against the Niners uh, last week. So uh, just kind of see how the target share uh, spreads out tonight and uh, if Vance McDonald can suit up for this next week uh, we'll see he's still a high-end tight end too Uh, we saw him get quite a few targets when he was uh, active with Mason Rudolph at the helm that said I don't have a ton of confidence in Rudolph until he shows us something to make us believe so until then uh, give me the Ravens yeah, just to add, slightly worrisome. Um, Jalen or Jalen Samuels and James Conner have the same number of touches, uh, both receptions and carries to this point in the game. I don't know if that's going to stay that way, but definitely keep an eye on it. And I also will take the Ravens. New England at Washington. The Patriots uh, won a tough one versus Buffalo, and now they get a cakewalk versus probably the rookie quarterback. Uh, Brady will be fine as a back-end quarterback one year. Sony Michelle did not have quite the rushing day I was looking for, despite seeding only two carries to any other running back. He averaged 3.7 carries or yards per carry with zero targets. I'm done with him for right now. And I'm legitimately concerned. He's a running back three and a poor flex option with Burkhead likely healthy enough to be back. And what should be a repeat of the exact Miami game plan with Burkhead running all over the field. Uh, The passing game was unable to do much here, but Gordon Nettleman should both be just fine versus Washington. I would not expect a a big day for James White unless Burkhead again looks limited. Right. Uh, of course, there's definitely reason for concern uh, with Sony Michelle. Uh, they're still using this unpredictable running back by committee, which for some reason a lot of people dismissed after Michelle played well in the postseason last year, but uh, Belichick will still Belichick. Um, Michelle's an okay flex play. Uh, I wouldn't be too concerned about the yards per carry just because the Bills are a very good defense. Um, more concerning is the usage and how that's going to change week to week. Uh, Still like Edelman as a low-end wide receiver too. Clearly he wasn't fully healthy from that chest-slash-rib injury that he suffered a couple weeks ago. Um, Still like Gordon a lot as a mid-range wide receiver three with upside. This is going to be a much easier matchup uh, than the Bills were. And then finally, don't forget about Benjamin Watson. Uh, He's going to be back uh, from his four-game suspension. Uh, This offense has struggled a little bit since Gronk has retired, and... Antonio Brown was a boost, but he only lasted a week. So Watson could be a decent tight end too, maybe even a tight end one if he starts becoming a bigger part of the passing game uh, as the season progresses. They certainly need some playmakers right now. Washington just managed three points against a bad Giants defense. So what are you expecting versus the Patriots? 
The Dwayne Haskins era has started with three interceptions. I don't care who's starting. None of them will do well this week. No McLaren, if healthy, not Paul Richardson, who led, who led wide receivers with five targets. Maybe Chris Thompson, but I, I'd even avoid him here. Mm, yeah, Chris Thompson, low in flex. Uh, Adrian Peterson, desperation, running back four. Terry McLaurin, low in flex if he's healthy. That's all I got. Give me New England. I will take New England. Jacksonville at Carolina. The Jaguars actually gave us an exciting game, and Gardner Minshew can be pretty effective when the running game is working. Leonard Fournette ran very well against the Broncos. 29 carries, 225 yards, and two receptions. Backup Ryquel Armstead, a very similar player to Fournette, saw some work this week, too. Eight carries, 42 yards, and one catch for a touchdown. I do not expect that to cut into Leonard Fournette's workload. In fact, I think it's good to keep him fresh a bit for those really big runs he's showing he can break off now when the defense misses him up front the wide receivers are playing solidly albeit with lower upside than the Minshew hype really makes it seem like with just five of six for 66 for Didi and four of eight for 44 yards for DJ Shark um not not as exciting as everybody's making him seem but you know they exist to be fair, the Broncos' secondary is pretty good. Even though their fantasy defense hasn't put up many points, uh, they are still a pretty decent defense in real life. Uh, but, of course, not good enough to stop the man, the myth, the mustache. Uh, Minshew's <laughs> been on fire in real-life football, but keep in mind he has been just a quarterback, too, in fantasy. Um, he's a good mid-range QB2 option. He seems to have a pretty good floor, uh, although... Carolina has been pretty good at stopping the run, too. Fournette is a workhorse here, as you said, uh, getting a little bit of relief with Armstead taking a couple touches here and there. But Fournette's still alone on running back one, especially given his involvement in the passing game. Uh, DJ Shark, D.D. Westbrook, both flex options here. Shark seems to have better chemistry with Minshew and gets the deeper targets. Uh, so he has the higher ceiling. But as I said on last week's show, uh, Westbrook was leading in targets still, so he's a good option as well if you can stash him uh, in a deeper bench league, uh, still worth a shot. And then also I mentioned last week on the podcast that James O'Shaughnessy was actually a, a decent streaming play, uh, you know, if you really needed him, um, given that the best way to attack Denver is sometimes with a tight end instead of outside against those cornerbacks. And he did come through with the touchdown, but would still avoid uh, O'Shaughnessy here against the Panthers defense that hasn't really allowed much production to opposing tight ends. Carolina struggled with Kyle Allen throwing for 230 yards, zero touchdowns. And I don't expect Cam Newton back uh, anytime soon. Jacksonville will be a tough test as well with or without Jalen Ramsey on the field. The pressure and struggles work for Christian McCaffrey, though, who turned in another 27 carry, 93 yard and a touchdown, plus 10 of 10 for 86 yards receiving. The rest were pretty disappointing, though. Just three catches, 44 yards for DJ Moore and three catches, 32 yards for uh Samuel and two of five for Olsen. Uh, the wide receivers may struggle here, but Olsen should return to form. If Ramsey doesn't play, Moore may be able to shake free as a solid flex play here. Yeah, with or without uh, Jalen Ramsey, it's going to be a tough matchup here. Um, we'll see what's going to happen with him if he gets traded or just sits out, but that'll be interesting. Uh, of course, even though uh, Kyle Allen struggled, Christian McCaffrey's still a workhorse. He's a top five running back. Uh, wouldn't expect too much from the receivers, as you said. Uh, maybe a little bit more if Ramsey's out, but both of them just boomer bust flex plays. Olsen could be the beneficiary if uh, he and McCaffrey might see more checkdowns as the outlet receivers. Still a high end two for PPR formats, and 
Uh, man, I, I think my theme this week has been riding the hot streak. Uh, you know, I took I took Tampa Bay on the road against the Saints, and I'm going to take Jacksonville on the road against the Panthers here. I do think that the Jaguars' defense will slow down Kyle Allen a little bit more than the Panthers' defense uh, is going to slow down Minshew. Yeah, this one does not sound crazy. Kyle Allen is going to get demolished by the defense for enough plays that the Jaguars roll the Panthers. Give me Jacksonville on the road. Atlanta at Houston. Atlanta had a rough day versus Tennessee, scoring only 10 points despite nearly 400 yards passing. 130 of that went to Austin Hooper, who remains a tight end one. 9 of 12 for 91 yards. Uh, Wait. Nope. 130 went to Hooper, and then 9 of 12 for 91 yards went to Sanu, to just uh, 3 of 6 for 32 to Calvin Ridley. It's tough to have any faith in Calvin Ridley right now, although Jones was uh, almost as troubling, considering he's your wide receiver one with just 4 of 7 for 52 yards here. Still 9 points in a PPR. Not killing you, but not great. He will get back on track, and I would start him with confidence in his improvement. Riley and Sanu are just flex options with this team having scoring trouble lately. Running back struggled on the ground with Freeman collecting 12 carries, 28 yards only, but adding eight catches for 72 yards to Edo Smith's two carries only, 11 yards with touchdown and two for 20 receiving. Freeman should be a weekly running back too. This was one of his better weeks here, and he should be all right for Houston, I think. Mm, I still don't love Freeman. He got a lot more work in the passing game, but uh, Houston's been good against the run. Uh, there's just a lot of risk with Freeman right now. Outside of McCaffrey's big game last week, uh, Houston really hasn't allowed anything on the ground. And as as you said, Ito Smith vultured that touchdown too against the Titans. So uh, he's even losing some of that goal line work. Uh, I've got him as just a running back three flex play. Um, as, as we talked about, his usage in the passing game gives him a decent floor, but the ceiling isn't really there with this offense struggling. Uh, this team is kind of gross right now. They they would be winless if the Eagles hadn't had their entire receiving core hurt for that game. And even then, the Falcons almost lost that game, if not for a Nelson Aguilar drop. Um, this defense is pretty <coughs> awful, though, which is probably going to force more shootouts this year. So Matt Ryan in fantasy, even though he's not playing great in real life, still going to be a low-end QB1 in fantasy. Um, certainly some risk in starting him, though. And as you said, uh, Julio, you're not... You're not panicking on too much, but Sanu and Ridley uh, just flex plays here until they show a little bit more. Uh, really, Austin Hooper is the most safe guy here, it seems, right? Kind of like a one of those Darren Waller, Mark Andrews, back-end tight end ones who's getting enough targets to have a good floor. Yeah, who saw that coming? Houston struggled to put up points, uh, just 10 versus Carolina at home in the loss. Watson salvaged part of his value with a rushing touchdown here. He should return to form versus Atlanta, but he is, the, the defenses all are, are all over him. He needs to stay healthy. Carlos Hyde rushed for 12 carries, 58 yards, adding four uh, catches on six targets through the air and will be an upside running back three. Duke Johnson is firmly on the bench for now. All four of the fantasy pass catchers had tough days here. DeAndre Hopkins, just five of eight for 41. QT, one of three for 11. Fuller, 3 of 6 for 23, and Stills, 2 of 2 for 24. This is Hopkins' third week in a row with less than 70 yards and no touchdowns. And I'm starting to worry from a consistency standpoint. For what many people's, uh, he was many people's clear wide receiver one pre-draft. He has every opportunity to turn that around this week and fix everything. 
Yeah, hopefully. Um, like you said, uh, you're not panicking just yet. Still starting DeAndre Hopkins, of course, but a little concerning. If he doesn't explode this week against this poor Falcons defense, and it might really be time to panic. Um, Will Fuller has also been quiet, but again, he had the second most targets against Hopkins against Carolina. Um, and then Watson just missed Fuller on a 75-yard touchdown pass, so certainly the upside is there if they can actually connect, which they very well could do this week. Uh, really start everyone against this Falcons defense uh, that's been really bad, especially without Keanu Neal. Um, they just traded for a safety today from the Eagles, but I don't know that that's going to help that much. I still like Watson, but he's definitely been less consistent this year. Um, and then you mentioned Duke Johnson as a bench, and that's because Carlos Hyde has out-touched him now for two straight games, even in the passing game. Hyde's actually an okay flex option in PPR given his usage in the receiving game, and he's got some upside too given that he is the goal line back, uh, so he could punch in a score. Uh, I could see that happening this week. Kiki QT too, just worth mentioning that Kenny Stills uh, did leave the game with a hamstring injury, so if he's out... Uh, and Kuti plays more snaps, um, he could have some flex value as well. This should be a get-right week for the Texans' offense, uh, or I could see Bill O'Brien's job being in jeopardy this season. If they lose this one, uh, they face Kansas City and Indianapolis after that, both of which are going to be tough games and could result in losses. So definitely uh, almost a must-win for uh, Bill O'Brien if he wants to not go down one or two games uh, coming up. I will take Houston uh, at home, but uh, not super confident. Yeah, I, I agree with that. This is a must-win game for Houston. I think Deshaun Watson gets it done for his team. Give me Houston. The Sunday afternoon games, only a couple of them this week. Um, Denver at the L.A. Chargers. The Broncos remain winless in the Vic Fangio era, and it's not going to get much better here. Joe Flacco has been surprisingly good with another 300 yards and three touchdowns against a Jacksonville defense. That is good with or without Jalen Ramsey. The run game struggled for nine carries, 53 yards for Lindsey, and six carries, 16 yards for Freeman, who also added four catches. Both are running back three options. Cortland Sutton is stringing some weeks together here, and we're starting to see uh, him as a must-own in most formats, especially with two Chiefs matchups coming this year and every year. He turned in 6 of 9, 62 yards and two touchdowns, and is becoming the top offensive threat on this team. He's a startable wide receiver three who may develop into more as the season progresses. Sanders is still a solid PPR wide receiver three as well. Five of 904 yards probably will have a very similar line here versus the Chargers. Yeah, I talked a little bit about Denver's defense last week on the show, just kind of baffling how good they are on paper, especially with Vic Fangio now, but just not performing. And, uh, you know, it's only going to get tougher. Uh, came out today that Bradley Chubb's done for the season with an ACL tear. Um, oh. So they're going to be missing one of their key pass rushers. And given how they've looked already, uh, I didn't think it, get, it could get much worse, but uh, apparently it's about to. Um, the offense. Yeah, I missed that. When when did that come out? Uh, came out this afternoon because he didn't leave the game. He finished the oh game. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, he's great. That's too bad. Yeah, it's uh, man. Uh, just, I mean, if you're a Denver fan, this is just a terrible start to the season. Uh, yeah. Ooh, a James Conner touchdown. I needed that. I, I guess you've won. Well, now now he just needs to not fumble six times. <laughs> 
I, I think it's a few more times than that, but yeah. Uh, yeah, you know what I mean. Um, but uh, back to Denver here. The offense couldn't really get much going on the ground, uh, but that's how they should look to attack the Chargers uh, with their run defense kind of suspect still. Uh, both Freeman and Lindsey, I have as mid-range running back three plays, splitting the work here in both the running and the passing game. Um, I actually uh, I talked about Manuel Sanders a little bit on Twitter uh, about uh, putting him in on some DFS lineups, which kind of worked out. He actually had a nice day, but then Cortland Sutton, of course, got the two touchdowns against the Jaguars. So uh, as you said, uh, Sutton is quickly becoming a must-own. I-, I like Sanders as a low-end wide receiver, too. And then Sutton as a mid-range wide receiver, three, despite the touchdowns last week. Flacco, he's serviceable, but I uh, would not expect 300 yards and three touchdowns again nor would I expect uh, necessarily another touchdown for the rookie Fant. Uh, he's still just a low-end tight end, too, for me this week. Phillip Rivers put up 300 yards and two touchdowns against Miami, handling them as expected. The big story here, of course, uh, is going to be the possible return of Melvin Gordon. I expect them to ease him into work here, and Eckler should keep his role as a solid pass-catching running back, too, regardless. Gordon should get the Zeke treatment here, a partial, maybe 30% workload, maybe playing the Justin Jackson role that he's had this season this week. But after that, we, this week, I expect that to flip. Uh, Keenan Allen was held to five catches, 50 yards, though they did not have to fight to score points here. And Dontrell Linman actually saw seven targets in Mike Williams' absence. Uh, I would stick with just Eckler and Allen if you're able to here. Right. It's going to be an interesting deciphering the usage between Gordon and Eckler these first couple weeks back. Um, as you said, I, I would still play Eckler this week. Uh, should still be involved enough, especially in the passing game, to return low on running back to production. Um, but keep in mind, this is a slightly tougher matchup against Denver, though maybe not as much with Chubb gone. Um, but uh, they, you know, I don't hate Gordon this week because they might actually use him quite a bit. If the Chargers elect to pound the rock after Fournette gashed this Broncos defense for over 200 yards on the ground, um, Rivers, too, should be a decent start. Uh, I don't hate him as a low-end QB1 here. Uh, as we said, the Denver defense is much better on paper than it has been in actual football. So I am a bit concerned about Keenan Allen. Uh, you know, he struggled with Xavier Howard shadowing him for a lot of the game against Miami. Uh, if Chris Harris shadows him, Again, in this game, I, I don't love it. Uh, he's talented enough to get away for some plays, but uh, Harris is a top cornerback in the league. So I do have Allen downgraded to a low-end wide receiver two this week. And then we'll see if Mike Williams is back from that back injury. If so, he'd be a flex play. And if not, uh, I would probably, as you said, still steer clear of the rest of the Chargers pass catchers here. I do think that they're going to try and go run heavy, replicate some of what the Jaguars were able to do against the Broncos here. These uh, divisional games are always unpredictable, and uh, the Chargers tend to choke in some of these, but <laughs> I will lean the Chargers here. Yeah, I'm going to take the Chargers here too, but you're right. They could choke again. Green Bay at Dallas. The Pack lost at home to the Eagles with two big injuries to players that need to be watched here. Devontae Adams had a career day in two-plus quarters before going down with turf toe. This can keep him out a week or two, possibly linger if it does not heal well. Could change his whole season. Uh, I don't love this offense near as much without Devontae Adams. MVS and uh, and. Uh, uh, Geronimo Allison have been disjointed here with Rodgers, but this will give them a chance to gel with them. MVS is a hold, not start for me just yet. And Allison is also. I, I, I know a lot of people probably say to start him, but 
Just let him grow. Jamal Williams was taken out after a big hit, and he says he's fine. We'll see what the medical staff thinks. If he misses any time, that solidifies Aaron Jones' role, though you probably weren't going to sit him anyways. Jimmy Grant's going to see an uptick while Adams is out as well. He's a back-end, albeit startable option at tight end. I see that uh, this week you didn't even try to prevent, pronounce his name. Just went with MVS, huh? You got you got it. <laughs> it's not that I can't pronounce it. It's just that you know it. it I I think of other things. I think of Montel Vontavis Porter. You know, <laughs> fair enough. But yeah. uh, man, a lot can happen in one week in the league, huh? In yep. uh, I remember distinctly on last week's show, I was talking about maybe how this Packers defense might be legit, but they got ripped apart, especially on the ground. Uh, I'm going to retract that. Uh, I would not play this defense on the road facing a good Dallas offense this week. Maybe we'll keep him on the watch list for a better matchup later on, but uh, probably not this week. Uh, Rodgers gets downgraded with Devontae Adams out, as you said. Um, still a low on QB1 in what could be a somewhat high-scoring game, but uh, I guess Marquez Valdez-Scantling... Uh, that, that's how you say it, by the way, Liz. And uh, Geronimo I Allison. know how to say it. <laughs> but I guess both and of the those other guys... problem is I always want to say Andre Ellison, who was a wide receiver for the Vikings like 10 years ago. Or Andre Ellington. Well, yeah, but that's different. <laughs> and it's actually Andre, Andre is like A-U-N-D-R-E. Yeah. Um, man, that's a, that's a throwback, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but I, you know, I don't, I don't hate Geronimo Allison as you hate him. Uh, I do have a little love for him. He was, uh, he is an Illinois product, so there is that going for him. Uh, uh, I see. But uh, you know, I have them both as high in flex plays here. Uh, if you're desperate, Jake Kumaro maybe, but uh, I don't know that there's going to be a ton of targets going his way, even if Adams is out. As you said, I think some of these are going to go to Jimmy Graham, who had a touchdown Thursday night against the Eagles, but also dropped two more. So even though I like him while Adams is out, uh, you know, just to still a risk-reward mid-range tight end, too. Um, Dallas does have the linebackers to match up with the older <coughs> Jimmy Graham. Um, he's lost a lot of his speed and strength at this point. And uh, the Cowboys have also defended well against the run. So Aaron Jones, a decent low-end running back one play if Williams is out. Um, mid-range running back two if Williams is back here. Um, we did see that Jones got a lot of checkdown passes in PPR when Williams was out. Dallas was limited by the New Orleans defense, which is better than most give credit for. And now they get that Packers defense. Uh, I, I would drop Dak to a high-end quarterback, too, for for me this week. Um, I think Dallas behinds, wins behind a great day for Ezekiel Elliott, who's going to run all over this, this team. And Dak just managing the game, not really needing to test the tougher pass defense. Cooper dipped to only five catches, 48 yards, doing Cooper things, though he does remain a must-start asset. And uh, Witten is a solid floor tight end option. He he has uh, earned his snaps despite that fumble that he had. And, uh, yeah, we see what Amari Cooper does when the pressure is on and uh, he starts having drops. And, uh, I, you know, he's – I don't want to say he's a must-start, but certainly you probably don't have better options here. Um, the big the big story here is uh, what Jordan Howard – what Jordan Howard did on Thursday night. Ezekiel Elliott could have, like, six touchdowns in this game. I, I think Dallas is going to look to feed him. Um, everyone saw that this Green Bay Packers run defense is not good. They've allowed the sixth most rushing yards per game. They've allowed five rushing touchdowns over the last three games. Uh, this is going to be a big night for Elliott. I think everyone who's been a little sad that he's been somewhat quiet thus far uh, is going to get their 
get their money's worth that they took the risk in drafting him. Um, it is worth mentioning, though, that Dallas's Pro Bowl starting left tackle Tyron Smith is probably going to be out this game with a high ankle sprain uh, after he hurt it during the game against New Orleans. So the offensive line may struggle a little bit against a pretty decent Packers pass defense. Um, I still like Prescott as a low on QB1 here. Um, Cooper as a boomer bust wide receiver, too. We'll see how he stacks up against Jair Alexander after getting shut down by Marcus Lattimore last night. And uh, really what we're seeing is that maybe this offense really needs Michael Gallup to help stretch the field here. It sounds like he's probably going to miss again this week, but be back for week six. So maybe in in his absence, a revenge game for Randall Cobb. Uh, who knows? Uh, I do like Cobb as a mid-range flex option this week in PPR. And then Witten as a high-end tight end too, who's going to get plenty of checkdowns if Cooper can't beat his man yet again for the second week in a row. Uh, both of these teams have looked pretty good, but certainly not infallible. So I'm going to go with the home team, Cowboys. Yeah, hoping for a Cowboys win. Sunday night football. Here's a game we can get excited for for the evening. Indianapolis at Kansas City. Indy lost at home versus the Raiders. Very few fought, saw that coming, I think. But hey, that's the NFL. They will look to bounce back, and we should get a solid offensive return this week. Jacoby Brissett is a solid streaming play here. He threw for another three touchdowns versus Oakland. Marlon Mack was limited to no passing work, and this really concerns me if the Chiefs Chiefs get up three scores, which is always a possibility, on top of, of course, the injury that he had in the game. We'll have to see how that progresses. Naeem Hines did take over the backfield late versus Oakland, late versus Oakland and this turns Mack into a lighter version of Derrick Henry. Uh, if he plays, he's a mid-range running back, too. It's some real game flow risk that I wish wasn't there. And if he does not play, I actually think Naeem Hines has some solid running back, two upside. In T.Y. Hilton's absence, Zach Haskell led the team with four catches, 70 yards, and a touchdown caught by Ebron, Doyle, and Chester Rogers apiece. If Hilton misses again this week, Doyle and Ebron are both solid tight end options with eight and five targets apiece, like them both. Paris Campbell, unfortunately, had a great opportunity but lost a fumble, so the rookie blew his opportunity to get a bigger role. Um, I'd rather wait and see if he gets another shot versus Kansas City. Um, these coaches can be pretty unforgiving at times. Right. Um, he kind of hit the nail on the head here with the running back situation. Really, you're kind of gambling here, right? Because this game is going to go one of two ways. If the Colts keep it close, then Mac is going to pound the rock because they want to keep Mahomes off the field. So then he's going to have a lot of run, and Kansas City's run defense is the second worst in NFL history right now through four weeks, having allowed 5.9 yards per carry through four games. Um, if Mac's healthy and he plays and they keep this game close, he's going to be an RB2 with a ton of upside, but if they go down early, then as you said, Naeem Hines has some uh, flex, maybe even low-end RB2 potential in PPR. And then, of course, uh, T.Y. Hilton's status is going to be important to monitor for this game. Um, if he is in, I would start him as a wide receiver too. And if he is out, uh, as you said, I like both the tight ends, um, both as high-end tight end two, maybe even low-end tight end one options. Uh, these targets are being spread out a lot uh, between the rest of the wide receivers. As you said, Campbell did have that fumble. But he also has the speed to break those big plays, so maybe they'll need that against Kansas City if it is a trailing game script. And then one other thing to note, too, Paris Campbell did suffer an abdominal injury against Oakland. It doesn't sound too serious, but just something to keep an eye on if you are starting him in deeper leagues or looking at him in DFS lineups. The Chiefs uh, cobbled together a few nice drives to finish off the win in Detroit. 
The team is pretty matched-up proof. Um, Mahomes, Kelsey, and McCoy had nice days here. Damian Williams might be back this week and is a running back 2-3 if healthy. In his absence, Darrell Williams saw eight carries, 13 yards, but the two touchdowns with three catches and 43 yards receiving. Pretty nice. Watkins went three of six for 54. Should be at worst a wide receiver, too. Had a uh, touchdown ripped out of his hands in the end zone. Don't get too upset. Uh, Watkins owners. Demarcus Robinson led the team with nine targets, turning in just a seven and a half point day in your flex and has plenty of risk reward each week. Hill is out. It's not every day Pat Mahomes throws zero touchdowns, and I would not bet on it often, certainly not this week. Oh, but uh, I am upset. Um, oh. <laughs> Sammy Watkins is just a disappointment. He lost the fumble, and as you said, uh, that could have been a catch for a touchdown in the end zone if he had tucked the ball away. Instead, he let the defender punch it out. Uh, just, I, I don't know what's going to happen at, at uh, during uh, practice this week, but I'm sure Andy Reid's going to do some kind of ball security training because that was just awful. Not just Watkins, but uh, just everybody, really. Um, I, you know, Watkins, uh, we were really excited about him week one when it sounded like Hill was going to miss a few weeks, but now... You know, his target share started off really high, but now it's declined the last couple weeks, just 22% last week, uh, only 14% of the targets against Detroit. Um, Watkins doesn't look like he is a wide receiver one. Uh, you know, he's been actually healthy this this year, but uh, he's just not performing. It's scary how good this Kansas City de- uh, excuse me, offense um, has been without Tyreek Hill, but uh, it sounds like he will be back in a week or two. Um, most likely still out this week, uh, but a small chance to play. He looked good warming up pregame against uh, Detroit, and he'll get some more tests done this week to make sure he's not at risk of re-injury before he returns. But it's looking pretty optimistic for a return in Week 6. Um, Mahomes struggled a little bit, too, with Eric Fisher uh, out. Um, their left tackle uh, went under sports hernia surgery on his groin this past week, so he's probably going to be out for a couple weeks still, but... Uh, you're starting Mahomes and Kelsey, and McCoy seems good as a mid-range RB2 with upside. If Damian Williams is back from that knee injury, uh, you like him as a high-end running back three, and if he's out, then Daryl Williams steps into that high-end RB3 spot, right? Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, you know, even though the Lions gave the Chiefs a scare, uh, the MVP is still clutch when it counts. Give me the Chiefs at home. Chiefs at home. Uh, Monday night football, Cleveland at San Francisco. The Browns finally got something going, beating the Ravens on the road. The Ravens clearly played uh, played to eliminate OBJ, who caught just two catches, seven targets, 20 yards, to Jarvis Landry's 8 of 10 for 167 yards. A great day, which unfortunately ended with a concussion. You're not benching Odell Beckham Jr. regardless. Nick Chubb was a tank and should have another running back one week after 20 carries, 165 yards, three touchdowns, including an 88-yard run. Yeah, it's it's this is going to be a pretty good Monday night game. Uh, two, both teams are currently leading their divisions. Mayfield I like as an upside QB too. Uh, as you said, both Chubb and Beckham are top 10 options here. Uh, Beckham had a very quiet day, but Baltimore basically just made sure it wasn't him who beat them, and instead it was Nick Chubb. So I guess their <laughs> plans sort of worked. Odell Beckham right. didn't beat them. Um, Landry, we'll see if he can clear concussion protocol. He does get that extra day to go through it with this being a Monday night game. 
Um, if he plays, I like him as a flex. If he's out, Antonio Callaway is another guy who's coming back from suspension this week. Uh, he's probably not going to be a fantasy factor unless Landry is out. Um, but if Landry were to miss this game, he's a desperation wide receiver for given that big playability that he has. Ricky Seals-Jones, don't go too crazy over him. He got wide open for a couple passes, including one for a touchdown. Uh, but neither he nor Demetrius Harris are getting consistent enough usage to be more than just a back-end tight end, too, if you're desperate. Um, for the San, uh, San Francisco 49ers, much of this game depends on injury reports. I'm not rushing to start Garoppolo or any of the wide receivers just yet. Whatever running back is starting and whoever's listed as the two will both be solid flex plays or better. All the running backs seem to have a solid rushing ability as well as good enough pass catching chops to make something happen. George Kittle will get back on track here as a tight end one. He, he's going to have a touchdown this week. Yeah, he's been playing really well. Uh, he's pro football focus's highest graded tight end through four weeks. Though I know you don't put much stock in that around the, the Ronald Jones ranking there. But uh, <laughs> um, like I said, the concern is that he has been used more as a blocker. So as long as he can actually you know, run routes, uh, he should be pretty good here. Um, certainly you're not benching Kittle if you own him. We'll see if Cleveland gets back any of their injured players in the secondary. They were down two starting safeties and a cornerback, uh, but... You know, despite that strong pass rush, too, with Miles Garrett, uh, I do still like Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, in prime time here, I've got him as a high-end QB2 at home, fresh off of that bye. Kyle Shanahan's got some time to scheme up some plays to bypass this ferocious pass rush for the Browns. Um, the backfield's going to be interesting to watch. Tevin Coleman's potentially back from his high ankle sprain that he suffered in Week 1. Uh, you know, Cleveland's run defense has been inconsistent, so it could be a great opportunity for the strong Niners run game. And if Coleman is back, I like him as a high-end flex, uh, maybe even low-end RB2. And then Breda still, of course, uh, flex-worthy as well. Um, if Coleman does uh, miss this week, though, uh, it goes back to Breda and Mostert here. And then, as you said, there's really no cemented wide receiver one. Uh, but Debo Samuel seems to be getting the most involved prior to that bye week. So if you had to pick one, I would still go with him as a boomer bust flex. I think it's going to be a fun game. Uh, pretty close. I think I'm going to lean San Francisco uh, fresh off of their bye at home. Yeah, I, I fully expect Cleveland to figure out some way to flub this one. All right, we'll see. Um, got some teams on bye here. Take us through them. Yes, sir. We've got Detroit. Um, so Matthew Stafford is on a bye. Carrion Johnson, who's getting a lot more work, looking really good with no other option um, for goal line carries, despite him uh, having that fumble that led to the Chiefs win, it's not like they're going to replace him with somebody else unless they do something nuts and sign Jay Ajayi or something. I don't know. Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, and TJ Hawkinson. Uh, Hawkinson had that big concussion when he tried to do that stupid tight end hurdle. Um, hopefully his career's not altered. That looked really, really bad. And then Miami's on the bye. Hopefully that does not affect your team uh, whatsoever. Devontae Parker had a rare touchdown. Preston Williams led the team in targets. That's all. Yeah, hopefully Hawkinson's all right. Uh, the early reports are it's not too serious because uh, Detroit is not even going to put him on IR. So it sounds like he might just miss a week or two. Um, certainly the bye week is going to be helpful for him to rest up. And uh, speaking of injuries with the quarterbacks, uh, Matthew Stafford played this game uh, with a really bad hip injury, apparently. Um, he was able to finish the game, but certainly this bye comes at a good time for Detroit. More injuries here uh, for quarterbacks. Uh, of course, Mitch Trubisky with that shoulder dislocation, uh, probably going to be out until 
after week six, uh, which is when Chicago's bye week is. Doesn't sound too serious, but probably going to be two to three weeks to heal and rehab. Uh, it's unlikely the Bears are going to push him back into action, given how well Chase Daniel played against Minnesota. Uh, Josh Allen with a concussion, he's questionable. Again, every concussion is different, so just monitor for updates as to how well Allen is progressing through the protocol this week. Sam Darnold, who had mono, uh, sounds like he's pretty sure he's going to be back week five after no complications with that. And then Cam Newton got some updates that uh, he has a Lisfranc sprain, so he's probably going to be out until after Carolina's week seven bye. So uh, Kyle Allen's going to keep getting the start for a few more weeks here. And then Drew Brees, we know he had that surgery on the UCL ligament on his thumb, probably out until at least week nine or ten at the early, excuse me, earliest. As for Mar- uh, the running backs, Marlon Mack with the ankle injury. Ankle. We are awaiting more information. He's questionable for this week. He left the game versus Oakland and never came back. No updates yet, uh, but if he's healthy, Mack has a great matchup versus Kansas City's poorest run defense in Week 5. The good thing about that is that uh, Indianapolis is always up front with all their injury information, as we look to Andrew Luck for that uh, example. Tevin Coleman with the high ankle sprain, questionable for this week. Coleman hurt his ankle Week 1, but Shanahan said they're optimistic Coleman is a go for Week 5, as the 49ers look to maintain their lead in the NFC West. Rashad Penny with the hamstring injury, questionable for this week. He was close to playing versus Arizona, should be back for a crucial divisional game on Thursday night. I got the feeling that if the game was closer, Penny would have played this past week. Devin Singletary, hamstring injury, questionable for this week. He also sounded close to playing week four, so monitor practice reports from Buffalo this week. Damian Williams, right knee contusion, questionable. It's been a few weeks now with no real information change other than Williams isn't practicing. Keep checking the way, keep checking the injury wires and the practice reports out of Kansas City. Saquon Barkley with his high ankle sprain, likely out until week seven at the earliest. Usually takes players at least four weeks minimum to recover from high ankle sprain. Even if Barkley sounds confident he'll be back soon, while he might not be out eight weeks, four is still probably a given. Yep, and uh, actually Super Producer Dan just updated me uh, on Rashad Penny. Apparently he's not even questionable, so he's just going to play Thursday. Oh, there you go. There we go. Uh, and thanks, as, Dan. Thanks, Edix. Um <laughs> As for the wide receivers here, Devontae Adams with that turf toe injury, likely out this week, but he might be back as soon as week six or seven. Uh, supposedly not too serious, but these toe sprains are tough to return from, especially for wideouts who need to cut and push off the ground for jumping. So monitor the practice reports in the coming weeks on him. T.Y. Hilton with that quad injury that he re-aggravated, uh, questionable for this week. He left the game against Atlanta in week three, and they could sure use him against Kansas City. Uh, big time matchup here, uh, but these can be multi-week injuries, so just stay updated on the injury reports this week. Christian Kirk with that high angle sprain, probably out for one or two weeks at least. Uh, the video looked bad, but it doesn't sound too serious. So pending the MRI, excuse me, MRI results, um, Kirk is likely out for this week, but has a chance to return in week six or seven. Sean Jackson with a groin injury. He's been out a few weeks already, but it sounds like he's close to ready. Um, but with the Jets coming in town, the Eagles may opt to give him another week to fully recover if they think that they can win this game without him. So monitor those practice reports. Tyreek Hill with that SC joint dislocation, expected return in week six. Uh, they looked uh, pretty good warming up before the game in Detroit. It sounds like pending another MRI, Hill has a small chance to return weeks, week five, but it's more likely he'll be back in week six. 
Michael Gallup uh, recovering from that meniscus surgery. It sounds like he's going to miss week five and probably be back in week six, barring a setback. And then A.J. Green recovering from that ankle surgery. Uh, we got an update today from Adam Schefter. Uh, expected to return in week seven at the very earliest, um, probably, uh, but uh, might not be back until uh, week 10 after Cincinnati's bye week. All right. For the tight ends, T.J. Hawkinson with a concussion questionable for this week. As with Josh Allen, every concussion and player is different. Monitor for updates of how Hawkinson is progressing through the concussion protocol this week. He is on a bye, so we may not get much news. Uh, Vance McDonald with a shoulder injury, questionable. We'll see if he can come back. Didn't sound too serious, but he could not suit up tonight. Hunter Henry with that tibial fracture, expected to return week eight at the very earliest. He doesn't need to be owned outside of deep leagues right now, but keep him on the watch list for later in the season. Jordan Reed with his concussion, no estimate for return, as stated before. Long history of concussions for Jordan Reed. He's droppable in most formats if you've been holding on. The best thing for him might be, you know, to hang those cleats up. Yeah, I mean, he's still a young guy in, you know, by most standards. So uh, definitely got a lot to consider after the career. Um, yep. Let's move on to the waiver wire ads here. Uh, first up is quarterback. And uh, we talked about it a little bit. Uh, the Red Rifle, Andy Dalton, 16% owned in ESPN, 35% in Yahoo. Arizona has allowed 10 passing touchdowns through four weeks without a single interception. Until Patrick Peterson is back from his suspension, this is a secondary to target, and maybe even after he's back. Jacoby Brissett, we mentioned as well, 32% owned in ESPN, 35% in Yahoo. Despite forcing some turnovers uh, against the Lions, this Chiefs defense is still a liability. If Hilton suits up, Brissett has a ton of upside, but even without Hilton, he's still a decent streaming option this week. Chase Daniel, unowned in ESPN or Yahoo. Played very well against a tough Minnesota defense after Trubisky left the game early. Uh, much like the Cardinals, uh, the Raiders have allowed nine passing touchdowns through four weeks and just one interception. So even as a backup pressed into action, Daniel has some upside here. And then Sam Darnold, 7% owned in ESPN, 13% owned in Yahoo. Darnold could take some sacks here, uh, maybe throw an interception against the tough Philadelphia defensive line. But the Eagles have also allowed the most passing yards through four games and the fifth most points allowed. So Darnold still has a great matchup here. As for the running backs, Tevin Coleman, 63% owned across the board. We usually only mention players owned in less than 50% of leagues, but Coleman is worth mentioning just in case. Both Mustard and Breda have played very well, but also contributed costly turnovers versus Pittsburgh. It sounds like Coleman has a chance to play Monday night versus Cleveland, and he would be a flex play with upside even in the San Francisco running back by committee. Ronald Jones, 41%, ESPN, 43% in Yahoo. As mentioned for weeks now, Jones's snap rate and touches have slowly grown. He had 19 carries to Barber's 9 versus the Rams, and if this offense heats up, Jones has up RB2 upside as the season goes on, maybe even better. Carlos Hyde, 50% in ESPN, 67 in Yahoo. Despite Houston trading for Duke Johnson, Hyde has now outtouched him two weeks in a row. Hyde got, Hyde got double the carries with 12 versus Carolina and was used more in the passing game with five targets to Johnson's three. Hyde is a weekly flex play in PPR with some upside as he's the preferred goal line back as well. 
Daryl Williams, 44% ESPN, 53% Yahoo. As long as Damian Williams is out with the knee, Daryl Williams will remain a flex play with upside. Even after Damian's back, Daryl would still be a good handcuff option if either Damian or LaShawn McCoy miss time later in the season. And Jordan Howard, 56% and 56%. We talked about Howard last week as a good flex option with a chance to score given how bad Green Bay's run defense is. Hope you listened, though of course we didn't imagine three total touchdowns for him. That said, the Jets defense has already given up three rushing touchdowns through their three games played. So Howard still is a viable flex option again this week, though you shouldn't chase the big week and blow too much fab dollars on him. Yep, and at wide receiver, uh, first off, we've got Jamison Crowder, 61% in ESPN, 45% in Yahoo. Crowder's been quiet the last couple weeks, but with Sam Darnold back, this offense should get back on track a little bit, and if you recall, he had 17 targets from Darnold in week one. He could return to wide receiver three status if that volume returns along with Darnold. Golden Tate, we mentioned, 52% owned in ESPN, 49% owned in Yahoo!, Minnesota and New England are not good matchups, but Tate can still be stashed as a wide receiver three or flex with upside now that we've seen that Daniel Jones can support fantasy options around him in this offense. Cortland Sutton, 70% in ESPN, but just 54% in Yahoo. As you said, Los, uh, probably a most, uh, excuse me, a must own like Mostert uh, was a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Um, Sutton's uh, still out there in just under half of Yahoo leagues. The second-year wide receiver has improved and become a reliable target for Flacco, especially in the red zone. Even in a tough matchup against this Chargers pass defense, he can still be a viable flex play. Marcus Valdez-Scantling, 67% owned in ESPN, 66% Yahoo, and Geronimo Allison, 27% ESPN, 24% Yahoo. With Devontae Adams likely out for at least one week, MVS is a wide receiver three with upside, and Allison's a decent flex option as well. This Cowboys offense just allowed Michael Thomas nearly 100 yards, and that was with Teddy Bridgewater as their quarterback. So Rodgers should be able to get decent productions for his wide receivers in this matchup. And then finally, Deontay Johnson, worth a look. Uh, 6% ESPN, 5% owned in Yahoo. We talked about him a little bit last week. He did have the fumble tonight already, but uh, a lot is still up in the air, literally, for this Pittsburgh offense. Um, as we mentioned, he was second in targets a week ago behind Juju Smith-Schuster, so we'll see if that target share continues tonight. Something to keep an eye on. So far tied with Juju for uh, for four targets apiece, so that's that's what's happening, and we are at halftime just about. As for the tight ends, Tyler Eifert, 18% owned at ESPN, 15 in Yahoo. Death taxes and play tight ends versus Arizona. The Cardinals have now given up six touchdowns to tight ends through four games. Eifert is a low-end tight end one this week available in most leagues. Jimmy Graham, 36% across the board. Graham could not see or Graham could see more targets with Devontae Adams out, and he could have had three touchdowns versus Philly had he not dropped two in the end zone. He's still a risky play, but so are all tight ends outside the top six or seven. Eric Ebron, 49% ESPN, 51% Yahoo, a little lower in ESPN than I would have guessed. Eric Doyle, 22% ESPN, 20% Yahoo. If T.Y. Hilton misses another game, both could see large target shares in a game where Brissett will likely need to throw to keep up with the Chiefs' offense. Ebron got a touchdown in garbage time versus Oakland, and Doyle was plenty involved as well with a touchdown of his own despite taking a big hit from the now perennial or uh, now never-endingly suspended Vontez Perfect. 
Chris Herndon, 8% in ESPN, 17% in Yahoo. The Jets' offense has been struggling, but Herndon's return should help, as he'll be a great target to complement Robbie Anderson and Jameson Crowder. He showed chemistry with Darnold last year and should be serviceable given the lack of tight end options out there right now if you're looking ahead. Ben Watson, 2% owned across the board. Like Herndon, if you don't need help this week but more rest of season, Watson could have a decent-sized role in the New England offense with uh, Julian Edelman and Josh Gordon both playing through injuries. Watson is a streaming option in a good offense with top five upside if Edelman or Gordon were to miss time, just not quite this week. Yep, and then defenses. Uh, a lot of, a lot of, not much on the waiver wire this week. A lot of the better options are owned in most leagues, but Tennessee, forty-seven percent owned in ESPN, twenty-four percent in Yahoo. The Titans have been as inconsistent as ever to start the season, but if Josh Allen is out with the concussion, uh, there's a good chance to rack up some sacks and maybe interceptions against Matt Barkley here. And then the Philadelphia Eagles defense, forty-two percent owned. In ESPN, 37% in Yahoo. Their secondary has been pretty awful, but the Jets haven't been great on offense either. So with Darnold back for this game, they do still have a chance at some sacks with this monstrous defensive line. And then just a quick note on Denver and Green Bay. Uh, I'll admit I was wrong on Green Bay. They got exposed by the Eagles, especially in that run defense. Uh, Don't need to be started uh, against Dallas this week. And Denver... Just uh, they're a highly ranked uh, defense preseason, but they've been awful. Just despite how good they looked on paper with Vic Fangio at the helm, uh, they don't need to be rostered right now either. As for some kickers, Robbie Gold, 52% ESPN, 32% Yahoo. Gold was likely dropped in many leagues with San Francisco's week before by. He has been highly accurate over the course of his career, and the San Fran offense was starting to come together prior to their bye. He should see ample opportunities for field goal attempts rest of seasons season and convert on the majority of them. Jason Myers, 8% ESPN, 57% Yahoo. Somebody's got the boat. Myers has been great to start the season, and the Thursday night game should be fairly high scoring with both the Rams and Seahawks defenses struggling to stop opponents from scoring. There should be plenty of touchdowns and field goals in this one. And Joey Sly, 35 ESPN, 65% Yahoo. Kyle Allen has played well in Cam Newton's absence, even enough to move the ball downfield, but struggling to score touchdowns. With Jacksonville coming to town, this could be another game with plenty of field goals from Joey Sly. Yeah, and just a quick note to why I'm targeting Robbie Gold in a lot of my leagues. Um, San Francisco just had their bye. That means you don't have to worry about uh, you know that position uh, for a bye week going forward. Uh, same with defenses. If, if you like a streaming defense option who will have already had their bye in the coming weeks, uh, you know, all the better because you don't have to worry about that in like week 9, 10, 11. And of course... Uh, Hopefully your teams are doing well. Uh, hopefully you're not 0-4, but even if you are, uh, it's not too late. There's always time. Make some trades. Uh, grab some people off the waiver wire, even if it's just for a one-week win, like Wayne Gallman will have gotten me in a league. Uh, I desperately needed help at running back, and uh, hopefully now I will be 1-3 uh, and three, uh, following this week. Um, but it's uh, you know plenty of games left to be played plenty of fantasy left to be played as well as always if you have more specific questions for us you can find us on twitter i am at ffa underscore mung that's m-e-n-g 
And I'm at FFA underscore LOS, L-O-S, and you can reach Super Producer Dan at FFA underscore Dan, D-A-N, that's Dan. You can also uh, go ahead and subscribe to us. Follow us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Whether you're listening to us on your computer or mobile device, go ahead and subscribe, and you will have a wonderful podcast waiting for you on your drive to work tomorrow morning. Yep, and as always, uh, it's a fantasy world, and we're just all addicts in it. Thanks, addicts.